Hey friends, this is Mario J. Radford. I'm the pastor of Growth Point Church, and this is our podcast. I pray that it connects, leads, and maybe introduces you to a growing and life-changing relationship with Jesus. Now let's go into the message. And may the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice. May he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. Somebody say, all your purpose. We will rejoice in your salvation. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. This is my favorite part, Evangelist. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. You may be seated in the presence of God. God, I pray that this moment is, this preaching moment is something that you take advantage of. God, I pray that you would decrease me and increase your Holy Spirit so that the words that I speak, words inspired by you, would impact people's hearts, minds, spirits, souls, and behavior. God, I pray that this moment, we submit it to your spirit. We submit it to your authority. We submit it to your will. Do what you want to do. Jesus, be Jesus in me. Resurrection power, fill me this hour. Amen. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Oh, that's good. So, if you wouldn't mind leaning over to your neighbor and just making a simple request and at the same time giving them the title of this message, just simply say, I need you to pray for me. I need you. I need you to pray for me. That's what I'm going to talk about just for a little while. So for the past few weeks, church, we know that Pastor has been in this Belong series, right? Okay. (laughs) Pastor has been in this Belong series, and as we progress through this series about belonging, we've been hearing messages letting us know all about all uh, about all that God has done, not only to make it possible, but make it necessary for us to be in right relationship with him, but also in right relationship with one another. So I uh, noticed, church, I said right relationship, right? It's in, it isn't God's desire for us to be at odds with one another, nor does he want us to live isolated lives throughout the week only to come together on Sundays, but he did all he's done so we would end up here together. Just point at somebody and tell them, you belong here. Tell them, you belong here. As a matter of fact, belonging here is, is so important that it's a core value of this ministry. Our core values, growth, right? Freedom to discover purpose. Grace, it's about relationship over religion. And finally, gathering, right? Gathering means it's about fellowship in community. Fellowship in community isn't just seeing somebody at service once a week and saying hi and bye, but community, church, is developed through meaningful, consistent interactions. I said meaningful, consistent interactions. That's the kind of fellowship we need to be striving for. And so you may be asking yourself, why is this important? Why do we need to gather? I have my own relationship with Christ. 
right? I, I, need, I know God on a personal level. He and I talk all the time. Why do I need to have a meaningful and consistent interaction with the people who I gather with? Well, church is critical that we have fellowship because fellowship produces relationship. And the more you fellowship, the deeper the relationship. And when the roots of the relationship grow deeper, the fellowship grows stronger. I wish I had help. I said fellowship produces relationship. When you hang out with somebody enough, y'all grow in relationship. You get closer together. And as the relationship grows deeper, the fellowship grows stronger. And when fellowship grows stronger, church, our ability and willingness to intercede on each other's behalf is increased. So, I'm going to say it again. Fellowship produces relationship. And relationship, when it's deepened, fellowship grows stronger. And when fellowship grows stronger, our ability and willingness to intercede on each other's behalf is increased. Does that make sense, church? So, but if you don't believe me, I, I got some Bible for you. In Paul's letter to the Colossian church, he acknowledges that because the church is learning from Epaphras, Epaphras is a friend, of, a friend of Paul's, and he says, because you guys are learning from my friend, ever since I found that out, he says in uh, chapter one, I have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with his knowledge and wisdom. Tell somebody, I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for me. So see, fellowship... Fellowship makes intercession easier. It's easier for, uh, for us to intercede for one another when we know one another, when we, can, when we can speak to what one another is dealing with, when we have relationship that is deepened, intercession is easier. But you still don't believe me, that's fine. I got some more Bible. Let's go to the Old Testament. I'm reminded of Abraham in Genesis 18, PJ, when he learned of the Lord's plans to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. But he knew that his nephew Lot lived in the city of Sodom. And so because they had a relationship, so Abraham went to the Lord and said and started interceding and negotiating on their behalf. See, God had intended to destroy the city. So Abraham said, well, Lord, what if you find 50 righteous people? Will you then destroy it? He said, well, no, okay, if I find 50, I won't destroy it. Then he said, well, 50 is a lot. What about 45? What if you find 45? Will you then destroy it? He said, no, okay, fine, 45, but that's it. He said, well, Lord, please forgive me. Don't, don't think nothing of this, but what if there's only 40? Would you destroy the city then? He said, fine, there's only 40. And Abraham went back and forth with God till he got all the way down to 10. And I don't know about anybody in here, but I would love to have somebody in my corner who's willing to negotiate with God to go back and forth on my behalf, who's willing to fight for me because I need you to pray for me. And sometimes I need to do more than pray for me. Sometimes I need you to fight for me. Is there anybody in here who knows that they need somebody in their corner every now and then? I need you to fight for me when folks start lying on me. I need you to fight for me when folks start taking advantage of me and I can't see it. I need, I need you to fight for me when I'm struggling in an area that you've already overcome. I, I need you to fight for me when I'm, when I'm not even in the room. I need you to fight for me when I can't even fight for myself. I, I need you to fight for me when I feel like all hope is lost and when I feel like I'm losing my mind and when I've lost all motivation to pray. I need somebody who can come along and lean me on the shoulder and say, you may be weak right now, but I got you. You, you may be vulnerable right now, but I got you. you. It may be rough for you right now, but I got you. They say many are the afflictions of the righteous and the Lord delivers them out of them all. But while you're waiting on your deliverance, you know that I got you. Tell somebody I need you to pray for me. You belong here because somebody needs you to pray for them. 
You belong here because somebody needs you to pray for, and, and there's something special. There's something special that happens when the church begins to pray. I said there's something, there's something special that happens when the church begins to pray to God. There's something magnificent and, and miraculous that happens when the children of God get together and they begin to pray. The Bible says that the fervent and effectual prayers of the righteous availeth much. There's something significant about when the church begins to pray to God. As a matter of fact, when, when the church begins to pray, we know from the word that doors are open when the church begins to pray. We know that, we know that chains are loosed when, when the church begins to pray. Captives are set free when the church begins to pray. You keep asking me how I know. I'm telling you, I got a Bible for you. And when Peter was held in prison for preaching the gospel, set to be killed the very next day, he was in prison. Matter of fact, the Bible says he wasn't just in the prison, he was in the dungeon of the prison and he was in the dungeon of the prison he was surrounded by over 20 of the king's guards he was shackled and chained but the bible says when the church learned that peter was in prison and he was set to die the bible doesn't say they went and rallied at the prison no 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 it doesn't say that they went to the king's palace and started petitioning for him to get rid for him to let peter go but no the bible says that the children of god got together they gathered and what did they do they began to pray and so while they were praying they prayed with passionate intensity they prayed with conviction and as they were praying God began to answer the prayer but even as God began to answer the prayer they never stopped praying because they didn't know that God was moving all the while the church was praying God had already sent an angel to free Peter from the prison as a matter of fact Peter had gotten free and found his way to the very place where the church was praying but that still didn't stop them from praying that's a message all in and of itself look at somebody and tell you what you're praying for is knocking at the door we don't have time we don't have time I would stay there but but just be careful when you begin to pray with the church because something special happens when the children of God pray for one another tell somebody I need you to pray for me I'm gonna keep having y'all say it till I hear somebody believe it say I need you to pray for me I believe I believe David I believe David knew this to be true, right? He knew that when the children of God began to petition God, something significant happened, right? He knew that, and that's, I believe he knew this to be true when he wrote this 20th Psalm. I know y'all were wondering when he was going to get to the text. Here we are now, right? So David wrote the Psalm, wrote the 20th Psalm, right? And David, for those who don't know, David had a reputation of being two things, right? David had a reputation of being a warrior, and he had a reputation of being a worshiper, Right. We know this from when he was a child. Right. He was a warrior. We know that uh, he was a worshiper, actually, when he was a child and he was tending to his father's flocks and he would sing and he would play uh, to the sheep. But even as he grew up, King Saul was tormented by spirits and the spirits would leave him alone. And so they called for David to come and sing and play to the spirits. And when David began to worship God in the presence of King Saul, the spirits that were tormenting him had to flee. So we know David was a worshiper. Right. And we know he was a warrior even again from his youth up until he was uh, an adult. As a youth, he would war against the lions and the bears that would come to attack his father's flocks. And then as a youth, he would go and he would check out 
uh, take uh, lunch to his brothers who were at war and he came upon the Israeli Philistine war and when he saw the Jews cowering in the face of this giant called Goliath he said who is this uncircumcised Philistine who dares defies the armies of the living God and so we know that David was a warrior as a matter of fact they sung songs about it they said Saul has his thousands but David has his tens of thousands so we know from the Bible right we know that David was two things he was a warrior and a worshiper and so what we see in this 20th Psalm is David merging the two war and worship he's he's he's, he's bringing his the significance and the importance of worship to the strategy of war what do I mean he wrote this song beloved specifically Ooh, this is good. He wrote this song specifically for when David and his armies were preparing to go into battle so this is this psalm is a battle hymn, right? They didn't sing this in church. They didn't sing this, you know, in order to have praise and worship. But they sung this as David and his armies were preparing to go into battle. But what's interesting to me about this, Pastor G, is he didn't write this psalm for himself. He didn't write this psalm for his soldiers. But he wrote this psalm for the people of God to sing on their behalf. Tell somebody, I need you to pray for me. Oh, I wish I had help. And so David... David wrote this psalm, and in writing this psalm, church, he gave them a blueprint of what it looks like to intercede on somebody else's behalf, especially as they prepare to go into battle. Now, I don't know about anybody in this room, and I could stand here and preach to myself, and I'll preach myself happy, and I got the musicians to help me when I'm ready, but I, I know that I've been through some battles in my life, and I know I'm going through some battles right now, and I know there are some battles to come, so if you wouldn't mind praying for me, if you would pay attention just for a little while, I want to show you what it looks like to pray for somebody who's preparing for a battle. Is there anybody in here who's been in a battle? Is there, don't, don't fool me, is there anybody in here who is preparing to go into a battle, who you can feel you're on the precipice of a war, who knows that even if you're not right now, that a battle is soon to come. I want you to pay attention because one day you're gonna have to say, I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for me. I want you to be able to tell them what exactly you need them to pray for. Or when somebody comes to you and says, I need you to pray for me, I want you to know what you need to pray for. So there's three things David had them pray for in this psalm. And then once I give you these three things, I'll sit down. All right, church. So in the first verse, it says, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. The first thing, church, I need you to pray for is my protection. I need you to pray for my protection. I need you to pray that when the day of trouble comes, the Lord would answer me. When the day of trouble comes. Not if the day of trouble comes. See, anybody who's been in a war knows that a war, regardless of who the enemy is, the war, there are going to be moments in your war, moments in the battle that are going to be harder than others. There are going to be tumultuous times. There are going to be sticky situations. There's going to be danger seen and unseen. And so not if the day of trouble comes, but when the day of trouble comes, I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray that when I find myself in a day of trouble, the Lord hears me. But not only will he hear me when I call him, but he'll answer me. So I need you to pray for me, pray for my protection. And, and then he says, which is very interesting to me, he, he asked that the God of Jacob defend you. I thought this was interesting and yet intentional choice of words by David. If we were in class, Brad and I would have a 30, 45 minute conversation about this. Right? And so I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting, Brad, that he asked that the God of Jacob 
defend you. And so it is interesting because as we know, Jacob's name was changed to Israel when he encountered God at Peniel. And it's interesting to me because the name Jacob means literally schemer or deceiver. And that was true of his nature at the time, right? Jacob was sneaky. He was manipulative. He was deceitful. He was a trickster. But it was after his encounter with God, he was known as Israel, right? Which means he who has struggled with God. Oh, I wish I had help. However, watch this. Even after this, we see several verses in the Bible where he is still referred to as Jacob. So scholars have deduced that in the instances he's referred to as Jacob, it's to represent his old nature. But when he's referred to as Israel, it's to represent his new nature. And so I still was wondering, okay, if that's the case, why would David pray to the God of Jacob? instead of the God of Israel. As a matter of fact, there are other patriarchs in the Bible who could, could have prayed to the God of Abraham and could have prayed to the God of Isaac and he, he could have prayed to the God of Joseph even, but he specifically said, as I'm preparing to go into battle, <laughs> as I'm preparing to go into battle, I need the God of Jacob to defend me. And I begin to think about the nature of not just Jacob, but the nature of all these other patriarchs, right? See, Abraham was a faithful man. That's why he was chosen to be the father of many nations. And Abraham's son Isaac, Isaac was innocent enough, right? He didn't have much going on. But then we get to even Joseph, right? We skip a generation. We get to Joseph, and Joseph was favored by God. Even when he found himself in the pit, he found himself in prison, he found himself in the palace. He was always being favored by God. But Jacob, church... Jacob was a trickster. Jacob was manipulative. Jacob was conniving. Jacob was the one who was always in need of the most grace. <laughs> so I believe that David asks for the God of Jacob to defend him because sometimes when you're in the midst of a battle, you're not always going to make the right decision. You're not always going to go the right way. You're not always going to do the right thing. And sometimes I'm going to need some extra grace. And so, God, I need you not, I appreciate what you did for Abraham, and I appreciate what you did for Isaac and even Joseph, but God, when I'm in the midst of this battle, God, as I fight this war, God, as I walk down this path, I need the God of Jacob, the God who's given a little more grace, the God who knows I'm not perfect, the God who knows I'm going to mess up, the God who knows I'm going to fall down, and I need that God to show up and defend me. Somebody say, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. I need the God who's going to give me just a little more grace. I, I'm, I'm going to mess up. When the day of trouble comes, I'm, I'm going to say something wrong. I'm going to use one of them four-letter words. Lord, I'm sorry. But if you, the God of Jacob could give me a little extra grace, I would appreciate it. If the, the God of Jacob could just give me a little extra mercy, I know I deserve it. But God, if you wouldn't mind, just give me a little bit extra grace. So that's important that we understand, right? Pray for my protection. Then we go, go, go with me to the second verse. He says... The second verse, may he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. <sighs> Jesus, help me. Say, man, I, I get it now. When pastor's up here really going through it, I get it because the word is good. And so, may he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. So the next thing, church, after you pray for my protection, I need you to pray for my provision. Jason, don't start. It's important. <laughs> I need you to pray for my provision. It's important to note that David wasn't asking for ordinary provision. 
right? He said, send help from the sanctuary and strengthen out of Zion. So we didn't need ordinary provisions. Israel at this time under David's rule was one of the wealthiest kingdoms uh, around. And so he wasn't concerned that they would run out of rations or run out of weapons or run out of soldiers or be outmanned or outgunned. But what he was asking for is for God to send aid from on high. When he says send help from your sanctuary, he's asking for supernatural assistance. I don't know if anybody's been in a war that seemed like you were down and out. It seemed like you, uh, you didn't have nothing to worry about as far as the things around you, but you wanted a little extra ump. So you said, God, I know, I know we're in a good space, and I know things are looking well, but I could use some supernatural assistance. God, I, I need help from on high. If you, if you could send some help from the holy place, I would appreciate it. God, we need some assistance from the altar or anointed one. We need reinforcements from your refuge, oh Lord. We need, we need spiritual sustenance from the sanctuary because we know whatever you send from the sanctuary is going to be exactly what we need at that time. So God, I don't want you to send allies from the north or the south or even from the east or the west, but God, I want you to send help from your sanctuary because when you send help from the sanctuary everything is better mercies from the sanctuary are the sweetest mercies blessings from the sanctuary are the biggest blessings miracles from the sanctuary are the wildest miracles joy from the sanctuary is unspeakable joy peace from the sanctuary I wish I had a church to help me preach this thing it's unsurpassable joy love from the sanctuary is unconditional love somebody just holler send help from the sanctuary Sanctuary. Then he said, he said, send help from the sanctuary. Then he said, strengthen us out of Zion. Oh, God, I thank you. Strengthen us out of Zion. So when he asks for strength that comes out of Zion, it's important to understand, church, that strength that comes from Zion is not carnal or physical strength, but it's a spiritual strength. Strength out of Zion refers to the strength of the enemy. It refers to the strength not of their stature or God. He's not asking God to increase their stature or their physical capabilities, but he's saying strengthen, oh God, my soul. God, strengthen my soul. And because I knew pastor was going to watch this later, I went ahead and did some extra studying. And the Hebrew word for strengthen in this verse is sawad. And sawad means to refresh. Okay, listen, y'all listen. I know I'm doing a lot of teaching. That's why y'all not talking, but it's fine. Listen, so, the, so the Hebrew word for strengthen is sawad. And sawad means to refresh. I remember as a kid, church, I would have to cut my mama's grass. My mama's here today. Y'all thank God for my mama. I remember as a kid, I would have to cut my mama's grass, and I hated it. Hated everything about it. It was hot. It was sticky. It was dirty. It was, it was, I hate the smell of freshly cut grass. It made my throat scratchy. Just a terrible experience. I hated everything about it. But the only thing that made, and she had a big yard. Still got a big yard. I don't cut it no more. But the only thing that made the entire experience bearable was that I had a water bottle with me as I mowed the lawn. And, every, and as I would mow the lawn, I would drink from the water bottle and take a break and keep mowing and take a break. Eventually, the, the water bottle would get empty and I would run out. But what, but what blessed me is when I would throw the water bottle when it got empty to the part of the lawn that I had already mowed. And my little sister, when she would look out of the door, when she would see that the water bottle was empty and I had thrown it to the side, she would come and she would pick it up 
she would take it back in the house, she would fill it up and bring it back to me. And so I don't know if anybody in here has ever been in a battle before, but sometimes you end up in sticky situations. Some, sometimes you get dirty when you're in the midst of a battle, and sometimes you hate the place that you are. Sometimes you don't like how it affects your body, and it becomes an overall terrible experience. And sometimes when you're in the midst of a battle, church, your soul gets worn, and your soul gets tired, and your soul gets depleted from constantly having to pour out, and you find yourself empty like that water bottle. But I'm telling you, church, if you pray this prayer, God will come along and do just like my little sister did and refresh your soul. Come on, somebody. He'll refill you with everything you need to finish the job that you've been given. He'll give you everything you need to endure the battle. Somebody just holler, refresh my soul. Refresh, refresh my soul, oh God. Refresh my soul. So church, finally, this is my last point. After we've prayed for our protection. And we've prayed for our provision. We have in verses 3 and 4. He says, may he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice. May he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill, and fulfill all your purpose. So finally, church, after we pray for protection and we pray for provision, I need you to, the next thing I need you to pray for is my purpose. So we, we have these two verses in verse 3 where they, we talk about remembering, you know, offerings and accepting burnt offerings in church. While we know we no longer have to make burnt uh, sacrifices to God, we are still required. God still instructs us to make sacrifices. I said God still instructs us, church, to make sacrifices. Hebrews 13 and 15 says, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So what does that mean? Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we no longer have to make sacrifices of atonement, but we do have to make sacrifices of acknowledgement. I said we don't have to make sacrifices of atonement, but we do have to make sacrifices of acknowledgement. So what does that mean? That means I don't have to make a sacrifice for everything I did wrong, but I do have to make a sacrifice for everything he did right. Oh, I wish I had some help. And what that means, and when we say, when we see in the word where it says we have to offer a sacrifice of praise continually, that means regardless of the circumstances we find ourselves in, it is our responsibility. It is our, we are supposed to have a response of praise. And so regardless of what the circumstances, even in the midst of a battle, even in the midst of hardships and trials, we are required to praise God. I'm reminded of Paul and Silas church and how even when they found themselves locked in a prison, just because their circumstances literally had them bound, they still made it up in their mind that praise shall be their portion. Oh, I wish I had a church who was ready to praise God. I said, is there anybody in here who has made it up in their mind, regardless of where you find yourself, regardless of how difficult life gets, regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what you have or do not have, praise shall be your portion. We just sat here and saying, hallelujah, you're worthy. And so if he's worthy, you'll understand that regardless of what position you find yourself in, praise shall be your portion. Can anybody say, praise shall be my portion. When I'm up, praise is going to be my portion. When I'm down, praise shall be my portion. When I'm high, praise shall be my portion. When I'm low, praise shall be my portion. Regardless of what it looks like, I'm going to praise ye the Lord. 
That means we got to be like Job and say the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Habakkuk said even when the fig tree doesn't bud and there are no grapes on the vine and when the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food and there's no sheep in the pen and there's no cattle in the saws, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. Praise shall be my portion. David said I will bless the Lord at all times and his praises shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. 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 Woo, glory, hallelujah. And let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Somebody say, God, accept my praise. Accept, accept my praise. Here it is, God. Here it is, God. Here it is, God. Hallelujah to your name. Hallelujah to your name. Hallelujah to your name. Even when I'm sad, hallelujah. Even when I'm mad, hallelujah. Even when I'm glad, hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah to the King of kings. Hallelujah to the Prince of Peace. We have to offer a sacrifice of praise. That's part of our purpose. So, verse 4, I'm almost done. Oh, glory. May he grant you Verse 4, may he grant you according to your heart's desires and fulfill all your purpose. Somebody say all your purpose. See, when we're, when, again, we have to remember, church, this is a battle hymn, right? And so when we think about this, this the fact that this is a battle hymn, it says may he grant you all your, uh, all your heart's desires. And it's interesting, though, because a battle is usually never fought by choice. We, we, we usually don't typically desire to go through things in life, right? It's usually not our heart's desire. It's the furthest thing from our heart's desire to deal with trials and tribulations. But, but sometimes, church, God uses these times of hardship to not only grant us our heart's desires, but to do what? Fulfill all of our purpose. That's why Paul said in Romans, we give glory even in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character produces hope. Ooh, I wish y'all would shout at the word of God. We glory not only when we're good, but even when we're suffering, we give God glory. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. I don't know about anybody else in here, but I've had some times in my life where even if I wasn't hopeful, I prayed, God, please don't help me to be hopeless. And so I am so grateful for the hope that I have in God. I don't know if there's anybody else in here who you look at your life and you don't know how you made it through some of the situations you made it through. When you were sitting in the midst of that thing, you literally had nowhere to look but up. You had no, there was no door, there was no window, there was no crack, there was no crevice for you to crawl out of. So you only had hope in God. God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I hope you're going to bring me out. God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I hope you make a way out of no way. God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but our hope is in you. Is there anybody in this church? Is there anybody in this church? I only need one person, but is there anybody in this church who is grateful to have hope in God? Woo. 
Don't fool me. Don't fool me. If you're grateful to have hope in God, I need you. I need you to praise God right now because 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 we have hope in God, we can say that trouble don't last always. Because we have hope in God, we can say that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Because we have hope in God, we can say He'll turn my morning into dancing and He'll turn my sorrows into joy. Because we have hope in God. We can say be strong and courageous for the Lord is with me because we have hope in God. We can say I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. All my help comes from the Lord as a matter of fact because I have hope in God. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. But wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I'm so glad. I'm so glad I have hope in God. And because I have hope in God, I can finish this prayer. <laughs> See, after they got done praying for protection and and after they got done praying for provision and after they got done praying for purpose and after they said we're done praying David said now that you've prayed for me I need you to praise for me David said now that you've prayed for me I need you to praise for me say what am I praising for well didn't you read the rest of the verses I'm going to show you three things that they praise God for and if these three things don't make you want to praise God feel free to pack up your stuff now and head on out because I don't got nothing else to say afterwards but in verse 5 they said we will rejoice in your salvation and in the name of God we will set up our banners and may the Lord fulfill your petitions salvation church means victory I had some help. They said we will rejoice in your victory before the battle is even fought because we know with God on our side was more than the world against you. So we're going to praise God for giving us the victory before a sword is swung, before an arrow flies, before a soldier marches. We're going to praise God now for the victory. And verse 6 says, Now that I know that the Lord saves his anointed, he will answer him from his holy heaven and the saving strength of his right hand. He knows that sometimes in battles, we don't always win the fight. Sometimes in battles, we find ourselves falling down. But the Lord said, he's going to save us with the strength of his right hand. So we're going to praise God now for picking us up with his right hand. For making everything all right with his right hand. For turning things around with his right hand. For comforting us with his right hand. And finally, church, verse 7 says, this is my favorite verse. Verse 7 says, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord. We're going to praise you not just for what you've done and not just for what you're doing but we're going to praise you now because of who you are we're going to praise you 
not just for what you've done and not just for what you're doing and not just for what you're going to do but we're going to praise the name of the Lord because of who you are because while some trust in chariots and some trust in horses we will remember the name of the Lord we're going to praise you now because we remember the name of the Lord is a strong tower we're going to praise you now because we remember how you delivered the children of Israel from bondage. We're going to praise you now because we remember how you rescued the three Hebrew boys from the fiery furnace. We're going to praise you now because we remember how you saved Daniel from the lion's den. We're going to praise you now because we remember how you healed the sick. We remember how you fed the hungry. We remember how you set the captive free. We remember how you raised the dead. Is there anybody in here who's willing to praise God right now? I said praise God right now. Don't give him an applause, but open up your mouth and begin to think about who God is. Begin to think about how powerful he is. Begin to think about the ways that he's made. We're going to praise you now because we remember how you made a way out of no way when we didn't know where our next meal was coming from, when we had more bills than money, when you kept us sane when we felt like we were losing our ever-loving minds. God, we're going to praise you now because some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, some trust in the government and some trust in institutions, some trust in their parents and some trust in their boo, some trust in the police and some trust in the doctors, but some trust in themselves and nobody else. But we will remember the name of the Lord. We will remember the name of the Lord. Does anybody know his name? I said, does anybody know his name? I said, does anybody know his name? I said, we will remember the name of the Lord. The name of the one who was born of a virgin. The name of the one who performed miracles all his life. The name of the one who was betrayed and lied on, persecuted and beaten. The name of the one who had nails in his hands, had nails in his feet, a crown of thorns on his head. Do you know the name of our Lord? Some trust in chariots, Dr. Emmanuel, and some trust in horses, but we will remember the name of Jesus. Does anybody know Jesus? We will remember the name of Jesus. Woo. The lily of the valley, Jesus. The bright and morning star, Jesus. Somebody told me if I say his name enough, it'll, it'll, it'll help you, it'll, you'll begin to praise God, so I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do a quick test. The lily of the valley, Jesus. The bright and morning star, Jesus. My Lord and soon coming King, Jesus. The Rose of Sharon, Jesus. The Lamb of God, Jesus. The Lion of Judah, Jesus. I wish I had a Jesus. Glory, hallelujah.
God, I thank you. Thank you. We thank you for Jesus. And because we remember the name of Jesus, the name at which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. The name of Jesus, the name that is above every other name. We will remember the name of Jesus when we're in the midst of battle. And so we have no reason to fret. We have no reason to worry because we remember the name of our Lord. I don't know about anybody in here, but I'm so glad. I'm so glad that we have the power in the name of Jesus. Look at somebody and say, I need you to pray for me. And tell them when you pray, pray in the name of Jesus. I'm done. Woo. Glory, hallelujah. You belong here. You belong here because somebody here needs you. So you got to be ready. Be ready. Be ready to pray. Be ready to stand in. But in order for you to do that, we got to be in relationship. We got the name. We got his name. But you need to know my name. And I need to know yours. We have to have relationship. So. I don't know what else to say. I'm done. Thank you, Lord. Has anybody been blessed? Bless the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this moment. God, I'm so glad that you met us. And it is my sincere prayer that as people depart from here and as the live streamers log off, that they would remember this word, that they would hide it in their hearts, that they will prepare, oh God, to be in fellowship with one another so that we all are edified and you are glorified. God, be with us. Keep us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Before we log off, I want to thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your partnership and your contributions that help us to reach people who so desperately need it. Now, it doesn't have to stop here. Make sure you're connected and that you're subscribed to every outlet. So if you need family prayer or anything, we can get what you need to grow to you. Have a great week. Know that we are praying for you. And as always, remember to keep growing.